0: All right, it's time for our monthly check-in with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder on a day when we have set by far another new record in Sangamon County for coronavirus cases. The clock is running to try to get this problem under control. The city and county earlier this week announcing what they're calling a phased approach to try to address one aspect of the surge in coronavirus cases. So that's where we're going to start our conversation with Mayor Jim Langfelder. Mayor, as always, welcome and thanks for the time. We appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: I want to start just with a little bit of what sometimes is referred to as the tick-tock of things like this, kind of the process to how this plan uh, came into being. Because we learned early last week that we had exceeded that 8% positivity rate that could set these mitigations in motion. Uh, That was on Tuesday, I believe. By Thursday, a week ago, the announcement came down that we would be facing the state's mandate for uh, a closure of indoor bar and restaurant service. Uh, But my recollection is, from, from what we were told, that you didn't actually meet with uh, with county officials or, or have meetings on this to talk about how to handle it until at least Friday. And, of course, nothing was officially announced until Tuesday. Why, what took so long? I mean, people had to see this coming. So so why did it take uh, a while to, to pull together the response to this?
1: Yeah, Actually, I think we hit our third day of uh, 8% on, I thought it was uh, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, Thursday is when um, the governor called and announced that uh, we'd be going into the base, uh, or the mitigating factors. That's when we were on with the Illinois Department of Public Health and State Police and DCO about um, options, enforcement, things of that nature with other representatives and mayors in the region. And then so Friday, um, well, actually that night, Thursday night, I was on a, a, a statewide call with mayors, uh and that was more to the Chicago mayors. And then uh, Friday, talked to uh, the county. Um, you know, we had numerous questions because of this public health pandemic, and they're in charge of public health, so we're asking uh, what we what's enforceable, how can we work through this, and then uh, uh, talked to them again over the weekend, and then uh, Monday was really pulling things together in consultation with the county public health department, and um, you know, and then we made that announcement on Tuesday. The reason we made it on Tuesday was because of the election day. And uh, quite frankly, you know, we we're Springfield. Uh, that was the intent is introducing the mask uh, ordinance. And uh, with regards to that, I didn't want to make that type of announcement before the election because people, quite frankly, would say, oh, you're doing it because of the election. Didn't want to do it after the election because people say we we're doing it because it's uh, who got elected. And uh, so that's why we selected the election day, um, you know, show that, um, you know, it's not a political issue. It's really a public health issue that we're trying to address as best possible.
0: Well, and and it truly is a a public health issue. And what the governor is saying is that his public health experts are saying there is a correlation between indoor bar and restaurant service and this surge in cases. Now, a lot of our local lawmakers say they they haven't seen the data. I know you have questioned the data, uh, but I got to ask because, you know, again, uh, we've seen this from the CDC, from the state's experts. You look at the numbers in Sangamon County and how they've gone up uh, since we reopened bars and restaurants and since more people started dining indoors. Do you see a correlation between that indoor service and the spike in cases we're seeing now?
1: Well, how they uh, make that uh, the spread where you can get it or the potential. They ask people that have uh, contracted the disease. Uh, where they frequented, and most people eat out, so that's where the restaurants come into play. Uh, with the call with the Illinois Department of Public Health, the outbreaks, that's where it's beer. the outbreaks were having at uh, actually two colleges as well as, a, um, they said, house party. And so that's where the major outbreaks were, not in our area but outside our area, but since we're in this region, vast region, we're impacted by it. So that's really where the outbreaks are happening. And so you should go to the source of the outbreak, in my opinion. But um, well, I think everybody has the same goal. How best can you mitigate the, uh, the, you know, spike of activity? And we are in our first wave because, you know, over April, May, June, uh, you know, thanks to the governor's um, uh, actions, we had really just plateaued. We never had the bell curve. Now we're seeing that bell curve happening right now, the best way to mitigate it. Um, You know, has always been proven is the uh, wearing of the face mask, uh, social distancing, things of that nature. That's why um, we took it upon ourselves and thanks to the city council's action uh, unanimously passed that ordinance uh, expeditiously so we can put that in the mask. Requirement for retail establishments immediately to try to mitigate this ASAP.
0: I want to come back to the mask mandate because that that's important. But the, the governor uh, isn't real happy with uh, what we've done here in Springfield and Sangamon County. This phased approach to it rather than what the state has said all the region should do, which is to close down indoor bar and restaurant service entirely. And the governor says if, if local leaders don't enforce the uh, the, the state uh, mitigations that have been put in place, we're going to wind up with even tighter restrictions going back to where we were in May or in April. Uh, do you think that's on you if these numbers don't turn around?
1: Well, I think if we would have just went along and just, you know, started the enforcement, uh, you know, because it was complaint driven, we do spot checks and do that type of enforcement and uh, conversations with mayors throughout the state. Uh, some weren't not, they, they don't even enforce at all. They just uh, turn a blind eye to it. So that's not going to help at all. So uh, with regards to what we're trying to do is really get to the heart of the matter. So, uh, you know, be proactive uh, with regards to that. And uh, the original plan of action for mitigation was going from 50% to 25% to zero, but it's gone from 50 to zero, uh, immediate shutdown. And so um, really, uh, wouldn't answer your question, no, I think we're, we're going above it with the mask mandate in Springfield. And that's why I put that in place. I think that will have a better impact, uh, raise the level of awareness. We've put out that, uh, you know, people should stop having house parties. That's where the br- outbreak's uh, been happening, um, as well as, you know, like I said, the universities, things of that nature. It's those congregate areas. And Springfield was the first one to actually, um, you know, we enforced the no gathering in the bars, open bar spaces, that you had to have a seat or a table. I did that back in August, uh, head of the state and everybody else, because it just made sense to do that. And so we'll continue to do that this weekend. You know, we'll uh, do sweeps and courtesy sweeps and about the mask mandate. And I'm sure we'll talk in detail about that. But uh, that's the uh, I think doing that measure will have a greater impact of uh, reducing the virus as opposed to shutting down our bars, putting people out of work where they won't know where their next meal is coming from, you know, potentially being homeless. Uh, And it creates a whole different set of issues. And that's what I think is lost in the numbers. Nobody's tracking the other side of mental illness, the stress, the health uh, created by the other adverse impacts of the coronavirus, um, like we do with the virus numbers themselves.
0: I, I did actually ask the uh, the coroner's office for some data on things like suicides and uh, drug overdoses here this year. Suicides are actually not up in, in Sangamon County this year. Overdoses are, uh, to a degree... Uh, but overall, deaths are, are actually up substantially this year. And COVID is you know, clearly a, a part of that. It's not the only thing, but part of it may also be people putting off other health care because of concerns about the virus. So so ultimately, isn't the virus still really the, the biggest looming problem here?
1: Well, the virus is the biggest looming problem on both sides. I know you know, individuals have passed away because of the virus. I've known two individuals that passed away because of, like you've mentioned, not getting the medical attention they needed, Uh, and they probably would have in a regular situation, but uh, they didn't want to and uh, had the dire consequence. So really you have to look at both sides of the equation and how best we mitigate it to have the least amount of impact on uh, our residents.
0: Uh, in talking about that and about the the economic damage that the pandemic has caused, and, and if we were to shut down indoor bar and restaurant service, what that could mean economically, uh, there was a story earlier this week about the, uh, the, the CARES Act funding that the city has gotten for small business relief that hasn't been distributed yet, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth. What's the status of that, and how quickly will that start to get into businesses' hands?
1: Director Yazel's working on the platform for that to do it in-house. Originally, uh, it was thought that we would do it externally, uh, but that didn't come to fruition. Uh, and, you know, so she's working on a platform internally to do that. Uh, the frustrating part has been with the CARES Act funds, you know, you think you just put them out there ASAP. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So we're trying to do a loan program as well. But, um, you know, it's a new concept that HUD really said you should use CDBG funds for. And so uh, with regards to that, they prefer grants on the CARES Act side of things. So those would make those dollars uh, more available. The good news about it is uh, when this first started back in April, May, June, uh, that's when there's a lot of resources available uh, through the PPP and things of that nature. And the other side of it is you cannot commingle the funds where people actually get, um, you know, double up. And so we will have, or we do have resources where we'll be able to utilize this uh, for support of our restaurants, bars, and other entities.
0: How how soon? I mean, uh, you know, the
1: Uh, yeah, that should be within uh, within the month. You know, so we had to go through the process. We did have a a consolidated plan hearing on our plan uh, with regards to our CDBG funds for the upcoming plan. But uh, we're looking to have the dollars for the grants. you know, within
0: the month. Mayor, uh, last night you called a Springfield City Council meeting, a special meeting to deal with a couple of issues, the mask mandate we previously referenced. We'll come back to that in a minute. But you also asked the alderman to uh, sign off on all these various emergency rules, including the new city-county enforcement structure uh, related to indoor dining and and bar service there. Uh, The aldermen seemed to be balking a little bit and ultimately sent it back to committee because they said they gave you these emergency powers months ago, so why do you need them now to come back and ratify it all over again? What what was the intent there?
1: Well, it's to uh, get everybody on the same page uh, as much as possible and have a true understanding the one, a couple items that were new in the, air, uh, in the order aside from the county item uh, was with regards to liquor licenses for establishments, give a six month credit to them for the upcoming um, fiscal year. Uh, the other thing was discouragement of house parties, uh, you know, encouragement people get their flu shots, and then again, the uh, mask uh, mandate associated with that so the intent was uh, one is to have that public discussion and then two is make sure everybody understood what's forthcoming what's within the resolution and um, you know hopefully they pass it if not you know we can move forward with regards to that and they had signed off on the previous one and this one's just the updated version uh, cleaning up some of the things that weren't pertinent any longer and and enacting New items.
0: You've referenced the House parties a couple of times and, and said pretty emphatically at the news conference a couple of days ago, no House parties. Uh, wh- why? Uh, what's the data to su- suggest that that is a, a huge driver? You've been skeptical of the data on bars and restaurants. What data are you seeing about House parties that that's a, a big driver of these cases? And And then what do you do about it?
1: Yeah, I've heard, uh, well, it was with the Illinois Department of Public Health uh, you know, conference call when they said we're going to mitigation factors. They specifically mentioned that as uh, one of the main drivers of the outbreaks. Didn't they and mention so, bars and
0: restaurants, too? You
1: no, know, the bars and restaurants were spread. You know, So you could pick it up there because of the frequency of people going to restaurants. Um, the outbreaks, though, were happening at, uh, well, I guess there's an outbreak at prisons, things of that nature, You know, at the universities, things of that nature, and, and House parties were designated as one of those outbreak uh, areas. And when they talk about outbreaks, I think they use the parameter of uh, five cases or more in a occurrence and so but that's something that they could explain better than i could okay uh,
0: and then we got the the mask mandate and that was approved last night by uh, springfield alderman a 50 dollar fine for individuals who are not wearing a mask inside a retail business the business could be subjected to 250 dollars or more uh how vigorously do you expect this to be enforced
1: well this will be uh, for the uh, next uh, few weeks uh, real vigorous to get everybody's attention i think everybody What's happened here is, uh, you know, um, you know, with the governor's uh, mandate of closing restaurants and bars, everybody should realize the significance of that. And then, of course, um, the direction we're going, how that uh, correlates with that. Um, I think it's raised the awareness to everybody that people's jobs are on the line, uh, their ability to put food on the tables on the line. And so, uh, you know, if you go back to April last year, that's how it all started. March last year, right after St. Patty's Day, first the bars and restaurants then the barbershops, and then uh, non-essential businesses. So uh, we're hoping to get everybody on the same page, and that's been difficult to do. It doesn't matter where you live in the country. It's been very divided. And if you had asked if we could have passed the mask ordinance a month ago, I would have said no, no way, Uh, especially 10-0. We were able to do that because I think people have the true understanding uh, that we need to mitigate this as best as possible and the best way to do that's the mass so everybody i believe is understands the significance what's at stake we all need to help one another out to keep her economy going so people can uh, you know maintain their daily livelihood.
0: You were real reluctant to shut down the bars and restaurants for indoor service obviously. If these numbers don't improve in the next two weeks will you then sign off on closing down indoor service? It's going to be two weeks later. It's going to be colder Uh, but, but would you take that step if these numbers don't improve?
1: Well it depends on the data at that point in time. The real thing about this is it's two week lag time And so, really, we just uh, got done with Halloween. There's probably Halloween parties, things of that nature. So those numbers will be coming in uh, this week and next week. The mask mandate, uh, really the uh, impact of that uh, won't be known for probably another two weeks. So um, we'll take a look at it at that point in time and make the decision based on that information.
0: So if the numbers are as bad as they are right now, you're still not certain that you would close down bar and restaurant service at that time?
1: Well, we'd, I'd have to take a look at, um, you know, uh, I'd, we'd have to take a look at the information we have at that ha- at that time, point in time.
0: Mayor Jim Langfelder, hang on. We're going to come back with more non-pandemic items to talk about next. After news, there had been a target date of no- November 1st to get the winter warming shelter up and running. We caught a real break with incredibly warm weather this week. We don't know how long that's going to last. And the Winter Warming Shelter isn't ready to go yet. Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder back with us. So, Mayor, where do we stand with this? I know we approved a contract with the Springfield City Council last night, uh, but the shelter isn't ready to go yet. Where are we?
1: Yeah, on that, uh, they've been able to provide, uh, use our old facility to allow people to get out of the elements if they so choose. And the population there is range ranged from anywhere from 9 per night to 30. And uh, I think there's probably 50 to 60 on the, you know, tenth city or downtown areas, things of that nature. But with regards to the facility Salvation Army will operate, um, they are closing or we are closing on that building tomorrow. Uh, so it puts us into our ownership. And then the uh, new Salvation Army, or, you know, that's the other agency of the Salvation Army, uh, will be able to occupy it. Uh, so we'll, um, I'd have to get with Captain Jeff Betty if they're ready to move in tomorrow or shortly thereafter.
0: So that that Friday closure on the property is for certain that's definitely going to
1: happen? Yes, that's tomorrow. Correct.
0: Now, uh, the the tent city you mentioned, and I haven't been uh, down in that area Mm. in a few days. The uh, plan had been to dismantle that by November 1st when the winter warming shelter was supposed to be open. Is the tent city still there right now?
1: Uh, Yes, there are still tents in that area. Correct. And uh, what we're trying to do is get everybody moved over once uh, the facility opens up uh, the 24/7 operations of the Salvation army facility.
0: We uh, we heard in the discussion on this in the last couple of weeks a, a lot of frustration on the part of uh, of some of the aldermen that you know this is once again going to get us through another winter but it's not really a long range comprehensive plan to address this problem. You have a, a, a hired contractual expert on these issues who has come in who's reviewed this he has at times clashed with some of the existing agencies dealing with the homeless so uh where are we with the, with that will there be a more comprehensive plan going forward and and can your guy work with these agencies we we saw again last night there was another sort of a frustrated letter from one of the agencies uh, feeling miscommunication feeling blindsided by by john fallon so what what's going on there
1: yeah, you know, on that uh, John was brought in to uh, provide you know guidance uh, as far as where the gaps of uh, providing for our street homeless and that's the major gap is uh, there. You know, he pointed out that in other communities of best practices, the street homeless are your highest priority. Those are the ones that should be taken care of first. That's how you get uh, additional HUD resources based on the hardest to house. Unfortunately, um, we don't do it that way, and uh, that we're working with the continuum of care um, and they're. Moving that direction, he was brought on specifically to point out um, gaps of service and then create that bridge with regards to finding a facility, helping us uh, identify a partner with the winter facility, and then uh, create outreach efforts associated with street homeless. So he's done that, and um, we'll have a report uh, released tomorrow with regards there. He will. Um, He's provided that, so we're getting... It printed and uh, get it to the city council members and it'd be uh, made public at that point, but the main part of it is uh, with regards to those items and uh, uh, in the interim, but a lot of the interim measures that you take end up, uh, if you follow those, uh, they end up being a long-term strategy as well, or could.
0: Do you have or will you have buy-in from the other agencies, Helping Hands, Fifth Street Renaissance, all the other groups, the Continuum of Care? Uh, Will they be on board with this report? Are they going to back it and its uh, recommendations and conclusions?
1: Well, it's uh, a report just to point out uh, various items, like I said, with the gaps. Uh, The one thing he had mentioned uh, right away, well, I guess a couple of the accomplishments that uh, has been done with the 10th City, we actually had... uh, Individuals, undivided attention, where we for the first time assess them in detail. People that are on the street. So, uh, thanks to Chief Winslow helping coordinate that effort, and the continuum of care pro- uh, providers, they were actually went in and created a database of those individuals, um, put them into the system. Um, but w- what it all comes down to, if you want to resolve homelessness, is the one-on-one relationship building. You need to identify what their needs are and how do we. Um, uh, provide those services as best as possible to move them up that housing uh, support ladder. Uh, with regards to other items, he you know identified entry points. I think there's three entry point levels uh, with regards to agencies. One I believe was of course Helping Hands. Another one I think maybe uh, Phoenix Center and Contact Ministries. And uh, who wasn't on the list that are now is uh, Salvation Army and Fifth Street Renaissance. And so that uh, expanded that opportunity for getting people into the um, process quicker. And then um, the other one is with regards to identifying financial resources, moving that direction. And again, I think most importantly is the outreach effort. How do you do that on a consistent, uh, continual basis? And so with regards to the report itself, I think there's aspects that people take away. The bottom line is uh, what the Continuum of Care with Josh Sabo, he's the coordinator position that we help fund. Uh, that was a missing key piece of the component because a lot of times agencies work on their own. Uh, Josh Sable's been able to work uh, with bringing all them together, and uh, so they're working more in unison than they had in the past.
0: We're real eager to see that report, and we'd actually love to talk to John Fallon. We've made the request a couple of times. I know other media outlets have as well, and they've been turned down uh, repeatedly. Will he be made available to talk to us about his his recommendations?
1: Yeah, that was uh, agreed upon once the report's uh, issued or released. Uh, You know, those are his opinions. Um, You know, I think we differ on the emergency shelter aspect. Um, I think you always have to have that kind of as a stopgap. But the key component is the outreach and moving people along that, uh, the uh, supportive services side of things. Um, But, uh, yeah, he'd be available for that. But, you know, again, it's his opinion, not necessarily that of the city of Springfield, but he did offer uh, with the report itself and, He'd be available for interviews, you know, with the contingency that he speaks, you know, for himself and his uh, years and no- of uh, experience and knowledge. And does that re-
0: does that report then end his relationship with the city as far as on a contractual basis? Is that it then for him?
1: Well, for the time being, um, I, you know, for individuals that even he, he rubbed them the wrong way. You know, I always say it's all in the presentation. Um, but if you rub people the wrong way, uh, you know, I think uh, – I think for this time being, to answer your question, uh, that does complete the contractual obligation he had with us, uh, so he'd be free to do whatever he would after that.
0: Uh, last night at the city council meeting, I believe it was Alderwoman Turner who uh, asked about uh, the status of city water light and power shutoffs. There was a moratorium on disconnections for months because of the uh, the economic downturn with the pandemic. Uh, but we know that CWLP started sending out shutoff notices a few weeks back. Are they, in fact, now starting to disconnect people? I mean, we, we've got a beautiful warm week, but cold weather is, is on the way. Are they starting disconnections now?
1: Yeah, they have sent out notices for people that were behind the governor list lifted the moratorium on that and we were just uh, doing it Uh, we didn't have to do it but we um, did it as a municipally owned uh, uh, utility but we've sent out notices and uh, we've uh, you know offered assistance with regards to finding um, resources to help them pay their utility bill or do uh, a workout situation so um, they had turned off some if they hadn't been in contact with them Uh, but as doug brown said last night if they are contacted, they will, you know, re, um, restore their service, uh, but they want to talk to the individual and find out what their situation is and get them the financial help they can use or uh, work out a payment arrangement. Uh, just ignoring the bill is not the answer. We're trying to work with individuals through this pandemic and not put the utility at risk as well.
0: A couple of minutes left with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder, our monthly talk to the mayor session. Mayor, uh, of course, you know that the proposal for a progressive income tax in Illinois went down to defeat. And that's going to mean a, a budget hole for the state of Illinois. They were hoping to generate mil, uh, rather billions of dollars uh, with the passage of that that they're not going to have access to now. Uh, and that could mean uh, some pretty widespread cuts in in state spending and presumably that could also mean cuts in the money that the state funnels back to local governments. How concerned are you about that, and how are things shaping up for the city of Springfield budget for the upcoming fiscal year?
1: Well, uh, as far as the state budget, that is concerning, or I'll back it up to the fair tax uh, amendment, and I didn't know what they could do, but uh, what I heard, the pushback, major pushback, is if they could have clarified that it wouldn't impact retirements. I think it Probably would have had a well, definitely would have had a better chance to pass, and probably would have passed. Uh, that's the greatest uh, pushback I did receive on that. But with regards to the state itself, uh, that will impact the capital uh, plan. I believe some of that was based on uh, that particular tax passing. So all cities around the state will, you know, uh, have you know the um, you know projects that uh, they were going for or hopeful for will be uh, you know kind of delayed. Until a revenue source would be found, and you know that's one of the things I always ask is, you know, what's this project's revenue source? If it's cannabis, it's pretty good. If it's uh, you know uh, infrastructure, that's motor motive fuel tax, which the Governor did a great job when he first came in and increased the motive fuel tax, and that's helped all municipalities. But with regards to the capital project, it was tied to the this particular tax. But with our budget, uh, we're taking a look at it right now. Uh, the initial swipe through is, you know, millions of dollars differential just because the pension costs continue to rise. Uh, so we continue to hold tight in our belts, and we'll take a look at it. We still have our, you know, $20-plus million corporate fund balance, so we're in good shape with regards to that. But we're not out of this pandemic, as we discussed on the onset of this hour. And really our sales tax generator for the upcoming months is crucial to our budget for this year. It's our peak time. So, all that will impact our next year's budget, which uh, the next year's budget for everybody starts March 1st.
0: This is my second conversation today with Mayor Jim Langfelder. I saw him this morning at something that I'll bet when you ran for mayor uh, initially in 2015, you you didn't anticipate uh, that you would someday be presiding over the ribbon cutting for a marijuana store here in Springfield. But then, in fact, you were right there front and center for that today. Uh, and, Mayor, I don't know if I've ever asked you this before. If I have, I can't remember the answer, but uh, we, we've had legal marijuana since January. Have you ever partaken of it legally here uh, locally?
1: <laughs> Not recently, no. <laughs> but it answer to your question, I mean, it's 2015, legal now. In yeah, I know. <laughs> in 2015, uh, you know, I wouldn't have guessed that I'd go two years without a state budget. Uh, we would have a pandemic and uh, legalization of marijuana. I would have never guessed any of those three. I'd probably say no to all of them. But if I thought one might happen, I would have thought maybe the marijuana, but uh, on the municipal side, I'm not sure about the leisure side. So
0: you haven't done it recently while it's legal, but that sounds like maybe bad. you just like the danger of it when it wasn't legal? Was that what was You know what, we'll save that conversation for another day. We're out of time. <laughs> Mayor Jim Langfelder, always appreciated. it. by the bell. <laughs> oh, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you. Have yeah. a good day.